1: Welcome on in to your Wednesday Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. We continue our positional previews today. We will look at the defensive line, dig into the trenches for that. And also our burning question, our third burning question of the 10 that we are going to be releasing ...for the Syracuse football team heading into 2020. Today, we dive into the coordinators. Who is more important? Is it Sterling Gilbert on the offensive side or Tony White? Two newcomers to this Syracuse football team in 2020. So... We will get to all of that in just a little bit, but first, be sure to check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse for all the latest news and updates on the podcast as well as Syracuse football and basketball. All right, Tim, let's dive into the defensive line here because this is a unit coming into 2020. It's probably losing the most of any unit on the Syracuse football team, offensive, defensive, special teams, what have you. This is the one that's losing the most. You look at two guys in Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson who have both graduated from the program and were instrumental, especially in twenty eighteen. Again, yeah. twenty nineteen was a struggle across the board defensively, but twenty eighteen, we're looking at two guys who had ten sacks apiece. And you're losing those two guys along with your leading sack getter from a
0: season ago in Brandon Barry. How amazing is and, that? I, Brandon I Barry know, yeah. led this team in sacks last Five and a half sacks most on the team last year. I what were the odds on that at the start of the if we were talking at this point yeah, going seriously. into 2019. That's crazy to me.
1: Right. But you're losing a bunch of guys yet somehow when you look on this roster, this is probably one of the more experienced groups when you look across the front. And again, moving into the 335 this year shifting away from the 525 nickel from a, a, year, a year ago. And you look at Josh Black, redshirt senior, McKinley Williams, redshirt senior, Kingsley Jonathan, true senior. Each guy played 12 games last year, except for McKinley, who only appeared in three, but he had played in full seasons in each of the three prior to that. So you're looking at a very experienced group on the offensive line, but I still say it lacks a lot of pop.
0: Yeah, it, it does help also that now you only have to fill three spots after losing all those guys. And by the way, you lose Kenneth Ruff, you lose Shaq Rosner. I mean, this is a, a lot to fill production-wise from that position. But the good news is, like you said, you have three clear-cut senior starters, I would say. McKinley Williams hopefully will stay healthy this year. He's back, and was honestly one of the underrated missing pieces of last year's team because I think that greatly contributed to Robinson and Coleman's coverage and their inability to get as many sacks as they did two years ago or I guess the year before that because Bear was hurt, McKinley Williams. So now hopefully he stays healthy. He'll be back in his nose tackle position, and Josh Black can now shift back to what I think is more his natural position, which is on the edge of this defense. And I look for Josh Black and Kingsley Jonathan to have very, very solid years. I think those are two guys that we both really like, and now they will be your senior edge rushers with McKinley hopefully clogging up some space, being that run stuffer in the middle that they really sorely missed last year.
1: Yeah, so Kingsley Jonathan. you Tim, you know how I feel about Kingsley. Oh, He's my yeah. favorite player to watch on this defense, him along with the Fatumel Fanwu, But... You're going to need to see something out of him in 2020 because a season ago, he only had one and a half sacks. The year before that, he had five, and that was coming in a reserve role. And you're looking at a guy who now enters his senior year, and he's going to get that waiver, regardless of whether or not he plays, um, that he can come back for another year. And maybe he does come back. And and that's one of the things is with that waiver rule, this group, okay, it, it looks all right now. But in a year, it could look really good after what we see from them this year, and you know that they're probably all going to come back for one last go at it and maybe to help bolster some NFL eyes onto them as well. So I'm looking at this group, and I'm bullish. And again, we kind of pinned this the other day when we were talking about the linebackers. This is probably group number two of the three in terms of where you would rank them, defensive backs, defensive line, and then the linebacking core, but this has a chance to be group number three at when it's all said and done because this is a team that did not get a lot of pressure on the quarterback a season ago and let up a lot of pressure on their own quarterback. Sure, okay, you look at the sack numbers, all right, 30. It's not an awful number. It's actually 40th in the country, but here's why it's misleading 13 of those came in two games. Yeah, Liberty was... the two worst opponents on your schedule and Holy Cross and Liberty. So you remove that from the equation, and you start looking into the ACC numbers. It's not good. This is a team that really struggled to get pressure on the quarterback and struggled, struggled to stop the run on top of that. And that's why this defense had very little success last year to the degree where they had to fire their defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, and I always laugh thinking back at how Dino sort of told us all that we were wrong after week one, meaning the media, because remember, after week one against Liberty, they pitch a shutout. It was the first shutout, I think, since 06 for Syracuse football in their opener, and they're a top 25 team heading into a big game against Maryland. We're all buzzing and that defensive line had all these sacks. I don't remember the exact number, but it was like the was most eight. sacks. Yeah, okay, eight. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's a huge number in one game. And I remember Dino, after about two days later from that game, so maybe the Wednesday of the week, he saw all these articles of the defensive line, lead syracuse these secondary, because it was like Josh Black, Curtis Harper shined in that game, Grosner, like all these guys that we weren't even anticipating to be the main guy stepped up and we already thought they were going to have a great defensive line going into last year. So all the articles from the media were hyping up the D line and Dino was like, yeah, I don't think those guys are as good as you guys are making them out to be. He kind of joked after week one and that definitely panned out. I I will give Dino credit. He tells it like it is in a lot of scenarios and he was spot on with that one because once the competition rose and once it got tougher We really missed McKinley-Williams in the middle, and the run stopping especially was was really terrible at times, as we all know. I don't think this year the sack numbers are going to be that great from the D-line. I feel like this new scheme just really is designed more for linebackers to get the sacks, even defensive backs on a blitz from a corner or a safety I, I don't think that we're going to see a huge year from a Black or a Kingsley Jonathan in terms of sack numbers. Do you agree with me on that?
1: Yeah, I would probably agree with you in, in that regard, just because, I mean, think about in, in 2018 when, when this team had 43 sacks and, and you had two guys on each end of the line in Coleman and Robinson who each had 10, and... That still allowed and freed up guys like Jonathan to to go in there and, and still make an impact. He had five that year in a reserve role, and I think he can be. I think he's closer to the guy who had five that year than yeah, the, the guy who had one and a half a season ago. And, and who knows? Maybe the frustrations built up. Maybe he checked out, which is a whole totally different issue in and of itself. But we're looking at guys who again. you you need, and again, the the thing about this three three five is the fact that you can get away with having smaller guys on your defensive line, as long as you've got some speed on the outside that can make up for it at, at the linebacking position to, to somehow get into the backfield, and, and you can bring extra pressure, and you trust your defensive backs to make plays for you as well. So I think you're right in that estimation that we may not see uh, the defensive line have the gaudy sack numbers, and that's gonna, I think. Well, while some people may view that as a positive, I certainly view that as a negative, because this three-three-five is only gonna work if you are generating that pressure up front.
0: It's gonna be a different style. I mean, they really like to blitz a lot under Brian Ward. If I were to guess, I'd say Tyrell Richards probably leads this team in sacks from the linebacker position. Yeah, because remember, I
1: mean, last year, Lakeem Williams at at the linebacker position, he had four and a half and he was second on the team.
0: Yeah, and obviously this year, I I just think linebackers are going to be getting more of the sacks. I think, I, I really do think you need size, though, at the defensive line position to play this position in this scheme well. And I think Josh Black is in a good position to succeed because he has played in the interior, he's played in the, exterior on the edge and to be an edge rusher normally maybe you could get away with being a little bit skinnier if there's if if you're kind of the sack guy from the bunch but when you only have three guys and you're going against a power rushing team you kind of need them to act as almost like three defensive tackles in a weird way so black to me is sort of the perfect hybrid mix for this three three five because He has the size, he has the strength, and he also has the speed. I mean, he's a freak, as we know. And the fact that he has played both sides of the defensive line, I think bodes well for him. I'm a little more concerned when you look at the inexperienced guys and the younger guys that maybe they don't have the weight. Like, uh, Latari Kinsler, I think, is great, and I think he's a four-star prospect for a reason. But he only comes in at 215, and he was an early enrollee, I don't know. I mean, I would love to see a way where he gets on the field because he's probably one of the more talented guys, especially in the back half of this group. But I don't know if he has the size right away to be one of three defensive linemen because I think you really need more size than if in terms of run stopping.
1: Yeah, we'll get to those younger guys in just a second. But first... Gotta get in a word with our guys from Built Bar because guess what? Built Bar is re-upping the protein bar game. Six new flavors coming to the Built Bar lineup, including, here are the ones that really caught my eye. Caramel brownie and cookies and cream. I am really looking forward to that. I was really excited, I saw in my email the other day that I got a new Built Bar box coming my way so I cannot wait for that to come in so I can get back to snacking on these protein bars because there's no better way to reward yourself for a workout than with Built Bar because A, they're healthy, B, they taste like a candy bar, and C, you're just getting all these different benefits for your body. And they don't fill you up like they're an entire meal. They're the perfect post-workout snack or just a regular snack. You need something to get you through the day, a little pick-me-up from that working from home, Built Bar is the way to go. And right now, take a listen to this real quick, all right? Because they are giving away a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Yes, you heard me right. A free cooler with your purchase. It's only going to last about a week or so. So you're going to want to get on this ASAP. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Remember, this used to be just your first order, but now you will get it off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. let's take a look at what the ceiling for this unit can be because again you're shifting from four down linemen to three and I think that when you take everything into account and it does kind of extend to those younger guys who who you were just mentioning the depth a season ago and even two seasons ago it was there I mean you felt kind of good about your depth when you had guys like Kingsley Jonathan filling in, and uh, Josh Black, too, if he was coming in on the edge, you felt good about that because you had some some skill there. But now when you, you look on the back end and you look at who's filling in for some of those guys, you've got a ton of guys who have just not registered a tackle in college football. I mean, two guys who are, are going to be on the, probably, the likely depth chart when we see it come out next week. Two guys who have never registered a tackle are going to be on that depth chart.
0: Yeah, I think the ceiling of this year's defensive line is a lot lower, and they're going to have to rotate in a lot of bodies with just three guys playing as the quote unquote yeah, starters. Yeah, that's and the
1: thing that's concerning to me is you're going to have all these guys you're you're rushing into experience. They're they're having a, a weird off season, and they're going to ask be asked to make major contributions to this team.
0: Yeah. So the second string to me. Is probably Cody Roscoe. I, I guess I would lean Curtis Harper and then Drew Tizama right now, would be how I'd but What about see a guy
1: him. like Caleb Olkuchukwu too. I think,
0: yeah, I think he's slightly behind just from what I'm hearing from camp and, and maybe the skill set that he brings. I, I think he's slightly behind. I guess Zach Morton's another name. I mean, he seems to be getting some good notes in camp, and I, I, I think we should mention, I mean, this defensive line supposedly got 10 sacks in that scrimmage the other day, which I don't know if, if that's a good thing for Syracuse football fans, because it could just mean our offensive line is going to be tough to watch again this year, and those injuries are piling up, and who knows what that means about the offensive line, if it if it means that the defensive line is really good or if the offensive line is actually just really bad, but the 10 sacks, I guess, is a good number looking ahead from a defensive line perspective to see that they got to the quarterback that much. I I would say Morden and Ochuku are just a little bit behind for me. And then I, I think we should mention Chris Elmore, because he's probably going to play on the line some this year, I would guess. Yeah,
1: we could see that a little bit. It's just it's concerning to me. You lose two NFL caliber guys, Allen Robinson, who's uh, a day three pick, and then Kendall Coleman, who's scooped up pretty quickly by the Colts, and now you got to replace that. And even though they were underwhelming last year, and the third down defense went from being one of the best in the country to one of the worst in the country, and you're losing two NFL guys from a unit that regressed from year to year, that's that's concerning to me. And I, again, we talked about this how linebackers right now are are the third of the three units in terms of how you would rank them but I seriously think this unit is going to be number three when we get down to it at at the end of the season
0: yeah I guess you're saying that because they have experience out of the get-go right whereas linebacker does not but the talent is more at the linebacker yeah I I kind of agree with that I think Cody Roscoe and for those that don't remember he's the McNeese State late transfer edition here he could pop I mean I, I guess this would be cheating a little bit when we talked about this burning question two days ago now, but he may be as a candidate for me that I didn't think of in the time, but could be a breakout candidate on the defensive side of the ball. Cause he did a lot of things that seemed to translate well to the three, three, five. He was very quick off the ball at McNeese state. And he also remember was had these great pass breakup numbers and pass deflection right. numbers that really jumped off the page. So I like the sounds of that. I don't think they would have brought him on. He's technically a senior just to sort of ride on the bench here. He does bring some nice added depth that they need, which makes him a good pickup regardless of how he pans out. But I do think he has a real good chance of popping this year and maybe sliding his way into a little bit more snaps than we're envisioning right now.
1: Yeah, he he kind of gives me off the, the same type of vibe and the same type of feel of what they had with Dejon Wilson a couple of years ago. And, and Wilson's numbers weren't great, but he made some impact plays for them being a grad transfer on that team from, I want to say it was now three seasons ago. And that... Again, you're going to need and I think you bring up an important thing there with the the pass deflections. That can be something that is super critical to making this 335 work because again, we know the defensive backs are good, but if you can make life even easier on them and maybe tip some balls at the line and it turns into some turnovers, a group that really the, the turnovers are going to be the only reason why this this thing works or why this defense has a lot of success because we saw the turnovers take a big dip from a season ago. Um, but still, were good numbers, and if if they're not getting the same level of turnovers that they've been getting the last two seasons, you can count this defense yeah. out. I think, it, especially given the fact that I don't think the pressure is going to be there in in the front three slash four when, when you've got other linebackers applying the pressure as well. So, um, I'm very bullish on on this defensive line group. But they, if they can get some pressure and maybe. If that those 10 sacks that they had in practice the other day is an, a, more, a better indication of what this unit can bring, we'll see. But again, I think that 10 sack number yeah. that you hear out of practice from the other day is more on the offensive line and is more damning to the program than it is uplifting it and optimistic for this team heading into 2020. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into our third burning question of the week. Which new coordinator, is it offensively with Sterling Gilbert or is it defensively with Tony White, is going to make a bigger impact for the Orange in 2020? That's coming up next. Burning question number three as we dive into some of the newcomers on the Orange staff. There's a couple other new coaches that joined the staff as well, but let's stick with some of the guys who are going to make a big impact on the field here in 2020. Sterling Gilbert coming over and taking over the reins as the offensive coordinator for this team after being a head coach at McNeese State. And then Tony White coming over from Arizona State, and he'll bring his 3-3-5 defense into the 3-1-5. Okay, so when you look at these two, and I think here's my big thing with these coordinators. These guys have to hit. If these are, are hires that kind of are duds... Dino's going to have to start looking for at his own job security, I think, in a sense, because we're talking about some... If the defense and the offense aren't up to par, and this is another, I guess, maybe it's a little different because of the number of games that are being played this year and the fact that they are 10 conference games, but this is a 3-7 and seven team. That seat's going to warm up real quick for Dino Babers. When you've been here, what's going to be his fifth season, and if you've gone sub-500, four of the five, that's going to be a real, real question mark uh, for Orange fans. And they, they might start to to warm up Dino's seat if these coordinators aren't getting this team where it needs to be. So Sterling Gilbert, offensively, he's got, I think, more tools in, in his toolbox than, than Tony White does, but Tony White's bringing in the scheme. He, I think, is going to change things up a lot more defensively than Sterling will offensively.
0: Yeah, I would say the no-brainer answer for me to this question of who will make a bigger impact is defense and Tony White. Because it's just, I mean, impact, if you're judging it based on it's going to look different, it's going to be a different product, we're going to see different things from the defense this year than what we have seen in the past it's definitely white. I mean, he's introducing an entirely new scheme. Whereas I look at Gilbert as kind of coming in. as just another, like a change in personality and a change in a leader or the face, but he's worked with Dino in the past. They have similar ideologies in terms of offense. It's not like the offense is ever going to really stray too far away from what we've seen this year. I'd be surprised if that was the case. Now I think, White is probably the coordinator that I'm more excited about because I think he has a little bit better pedigree coming in, and that's not a knock on Gilbert. But coming over from Arizona State and, and the way that they they seem very excited about the three-three-five defense, I'm just naturally a little bit more interested in White and what he does and how this new scheme fares. But I will say he's got more volatility to his position because – I mean, Dino's been honest about this. He's compared it to the 2-3 zone in basketball and and said he talked to Coach Beheim about how he wants to have that defense that gives his team an edge every time they step on the field and maybe a unique scheme to them, and there's some great appeal to that. But, I mean, this 3-3-5 could crash and burn. He has always said all those things about how he wants that, and he wants the beheim type defense and that appeal And then he'll go, but we'll see if it works. (laughs) So, I mean, there is a lot of uncertainty going forward, and it's a very tough year to start with this new system. I would imagine Tony White right now isn't sleeping great when he thinks about UNC in week one and sort of what's on the line this year for him because it's hard enough to introduce a new scheme to a program in one offseason and see the results after a year, let alone in this offseason where everything has been obviously very troublesome now a lot of the players say they've learned the scheme and the zoom calls went great and everything but of course they're going to say that I mean of course that's what Syracuse Athletics is going to portray this defense as
1: so I agree with you I think Tony White I'm more excited for him but I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on why Sterling Gilbert might be more impactful especially in year one and it's the fact that think about what's been holding Syracuse back for these last couple of seasons. And really, I mean, we haven't seen a good running back in quite some time at Syracuse. Well, Sterling Gilbert, in his seven seasons that he's been a coordinator, he's had a 1,000-yard rusher five times, including a 2,000-yard rusher in Deonta Foreman when he was with Texas. So, If he can bring that much-needed element of a running game and complement that alongside Dino Babers, and remember, Gilbert's worked alongside Dino Babers for a number of years, including at Eastern Illinois, where they had Jimmy Garoppolo and groomed him into becoming a a second-round pick. If he can bring that running element along with him, this could seriously help this offense and change the way that we look at this Syracuse offense. If they've got the compliment and if they've got the threat to put the ball on the ground and run over you, hit you in the mouth a couple times with the ground game, because we've been missing that. The only semblance of that, that we've really seen over the last five years is your quarterback running with it when they had Eric Dungy yeah. and we're hoping that the offensive lines improve. But again, If there's injuries on that offensive line, you're going to be very skeptical of that, especially if they're long-term injuries, kind of like what Dino's alluded to, that there could be guys that are missing half the season because of some of the injuries that are keeping them out right now. So if there's problems on the offensive line, he's going to have the tougher hill to climb than Tony White, I think. But if maybe it's minimal time missed on the, the front five, And this running game can get going. And again, I think you've got the tools in the backfield if you've got both Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard. And then you complement that with Jawar Jordan. If you've got at least two of those three guys, I think you're in pretty good hands. But... He could have a problem with that because of things that are beyond his control, but I think he's going to bring a running element to this team that we haven't seen in the past at Syracuse, and that I think is going to supersede what we may see in terms of the 335. Again, you're going to see a lot more smoke and mirrors I think on the 335 just because things are going to look a little different. But offensively, if you can run the ball, that's going to completely change this offense.
0: Yeah, I I guess what I'm saying is I think there's a better chance that come week six of this season and Syracuse is struggling, people are calling for Tony White's job, or like jokingly. I mean, I don't think he'd actually get fired this year, but people are like, this 3-3-5 stinks, and there will be a crowd out there. I think there's a better chance of that happening than week six, us saying, Sterling Gilbert's not the guy, and the play calling's been abysmal. Because
1: Well, let's be honest. I mean, Tony White's already made the bigger impact so far. I mean, you look at some of the players that have transferred out of the program yeah, because totally. they don't fit, some of the guys that have gotten shuffled around, positions move because of how this defense is going to work, some of the guys who will be starting this year because of the way that this defense works. That all plays a factor into the impact he's made, so I think... He, he quote-unquote has won the off season. I mean, we see that all the time in pro sports with, with free agency and stuff like that, how you win the off season. Tony White's won the offseason, but you got to make sure that it plays out in the regular season or otherwise anything you did in the offseason is moot. And I think Sterling Gilbert still has a chance to win the season. And if he does, that's all we care about. We care about winning the season. And again, both of these guys can have an equal impact on this team and they can both have an equal impact in terms of the when you look at how they can maybe pull this team down and, and prevent it from getting to where it is, maybe the the running balance, maybe you're just not cut out to run the ball. Maybe that's just what this team is, and you have to rely more on your passing game than on your running game. But if you keep chugging away with the run and it's not working, then you're pulling away from what this team can do. Meanwhile, with Tony White, if the three three five isn't working, you're pulling away from the success that this team could potentially have. So. Both of these guys have a chance to hit. I think Sterling Gilbert is going to make the bigger impact because of how he can incorporate a running game and hopefully get that 1,000-yard rusher that's been so elusive to this program.
0: Yeah, I, I don't... My answer is by saying Tony White is going to be more impactful to me. That doesn't mean that I like Tony White more than Sterling Gilbert, or I really have an opinion on it at this stage, honestly. But I will say, I want to see more of a couple things from the offense and Sterling Gilbert being introduced. I hope that they get back to more screen passes and they get back to more passes in the slot. There were some interesting numbers that David Hale tweeted out not that long ago. And of course he's over at like ESPN and the ACC network, a guy who covers ACC football a lot and Syracuse football a lot. And so here are the numbers on slot production from 2018. 122 catches, this is two years ago when they played well, 122 catches, 1,744 yards, 10 TDs in the slot for Syracuse. 2019, 72 catches compared to 122 catches, 6 TDs, and 686 yards compared to 1744 in 2018. And then screen passes dropped with DeVito in 2019. David Hale says 46 screen passes for Syracuse. Dungey in 2018, they had 80 screen passes. They did play one extra game, I guess, but in the Camping World Bowl. Still, that's concerning to me. I I feel like the screen passes normally work, and the underneath stuff normally works in this Dino offense, and we've seen it work, so I'd like to see Gilbert maybe go back to that, as well as what you're saying with the running game, because that is critical, too.
1: Well, I also think that they had way more weapons, too, in that 2018 season
0: as well. Well, they just the two had, two had a better seasons. offensive line. I mean, the had weapons... better offensive
1: line, but they, they had better weapons, too, when I when I there look at it. There were a lot it. of weapons last
0: year. They just couldn't use them because the offensive line much, was so bad.
1: Pretty much every weapon that was on the team last year was on that team in 2018, and they were playing a lesser role. I mean, you look at a guy like Taj Harris. And, and again, you're right. The offensive line has a lot to do with that, but at the same time you you had so many more guys that could go out and make a play for you whereas you're bringing in fresher guys from last season and I don't think I mean you didn't see a, a Taj Harris not that necessarily there was a Yeah chance but he for was a, a Taj weapon in 2018 of guy to so exactly that's he... what I'm saying is you had freshmen that year who could step up and contribute and Nikeem Johnson was really getting his first good looks at things too and again, those are, when you look at Nikeem and then along with Sean Riley, those are guys that were hits for you out of the slot.
0: And, and they should have been better that, in the, the year after that. And, Nikeem and Sean no, Riley just. I, I agree with you.
1: Yeah. And, and then there, there was just no one else who, who stepped up and kind of took things by the horns. I mean, Jamal Custis was good two years ago, and he, he was a, an all ACC guy, but you had a number of other guys who stepped up and played big roles for that team, and you just didn't see that a season ago.
0: Well, I think you didn't see it because of the offensive line, though. All those guys that stepped up came back, and then they regressed because they just didn't get any of the production opportunities. But when that you're they talking had. about
1: when you're talking about screen receptions, that's not a product of the offensive line necessarily.
0: I mean, I think they could have gone to more screen passes after the offensive line. You needed was so to go bad. to more
1: screen. Yeah,
0: yeah that's exactly. That's what I'm and, saying. And again,
1: that comes down to coaching, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Sterling Gilbert can, can shake that up. Hopefully, he does. So. All right, that's going to do it for us today here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow, the positional breakdowns continue. We're going to dive into quarterbacks. Tommy DeVito, what can he bring? We've kind of already touched on him a little bit through some of our burning questions and all that stuff, but we're going to dive into some numbers and some more stuff with Tommy DeVito and what he can bring in 2020, as well as look at the rest of the position as well because, again, injuries can happen. A bunch of stuff in in 2020 can happen quote-unquote, happen that we may need to look deeper than just DeVito when we're evaluating the quarterback position. And we're also going to break down the whole fans in the stands angle of this 2020 season. Will it help Syracuse? Will it hurt Syracuse? Will it have any impact across college football? So we will get into that in tomorrow's show, as well as also touch on the stuff with how the ACC is going to let you pump in some crowd noise for the 2020 season so we will dive into all of that on tomorrow's show so for tim i'm tyler we'll talk to you guys on thursday